Hey, Anita. Hey, Karen. How's it going? Ready to do the podcast? I am ready. (laughs) And today we are going to be welcoming Wendy Villa and Heidi Bayrick, co-founders of Global Project Against Hate and Extremism. And uh, I am super excited to uh, have a conversation about Project 2025. Um, So let's do this. Let's do it. Today, Anita and I are happy to welcome co-founders of Global Project Against Hate and Extremism. They first came to our attention when we were gathering information about Project 2025 and found that they do an excellent job of breaking down the 920-page Mandate for Leadership, the Conservative Promise, put out by the Heritage Foundation's Project 2025. Heidi and Wendy, welcome to True Blue Politics, and thank you so much for joining us. Yes, welcome. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Um, So, you know, your website, globalextremism.org, is an excellent resource for not only learning about the domestic threat of right-wing Christian nationalist extremism, but also draws some critical lines to the extremist movement and Christian national threat globally as well. Can you each give us some background about you both and, and the how, the why, and when you realized the need for your organization? Sure. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> I see Wendy pointing out. So we started um, the Global Project in 2020. Wendy and I have for years been tracking far-right extremism. We both worked at the Southern Poverty Law Center for a long, long time, tackling this issue domestically. And frankly, over the years that we were there, we kept seeing that, um, you know, you have to look at far-right extremism through you can't have borders, right? It's a transnational movement. White supremacists see themselves as brothers in arms with white people in other places. They don't think of themselves as Americans or Germans and so on. And nobody was really looking at that phenomenon, which had been producing a lot of terrorism and hate of various forms. And so we thought we're going to fill this gap. We're going to look at that But we're also going to look at how American organizations export hate abroad and continue to keep our eye on what's happening here in the United States, how this all um, fits together. So that was the thinking. And we launched in the middle of the pandemic, which was maybe a little crazy, but um, it all worked out just fine. And so we've been up and running for, you know, about four years now. And um, and we're tracking these movements, these hate movements. And as you mentioned, domestically working on things like Project 2025 and threats to our uh, democracy. I don't know, Wendy, you want to add something? I think that you covered it. It's, um, I can tell you that even though we suspected or had a good idea of what we were going to be addressing when we started Global Project, it has been, it, it's even more than we ever imagined, um, particularly in these last few years, I mean, as y'all have pointed out, it's this, this, like with Project 2025, this is not just an American endeavor. This is a coordinated effort from a number of far-right actors in, in, in a number of countries. And so that has been a little disheartening, but it is it actually makes a lot of sense and helps us address the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, yeah it's, you- the important thing is identifying it. And I know that, you know, we were kind there were a lot of people here kind of scratching their heads at like, you know, Steve Bannon kind of running all over the, you know, the globe. And yeah, he's in Italy of, and yeah. Hungary. Yeah, yeah that type and, of thing. And then, and then a few years ago, I can't remember how long, but, you know, like um, Tucker Carlson going to Hungary and meeting with uh, Victor Orban. And then more recently- CPAC was with, in Hungary. 
CPAC. They had in CPAC. Hungary. Remember yes, last they year? had the CPAC in Hungary. And we're all like, what the heck is going on? And that was kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know about Anita, but for me, that was kind of like, what the oh, it was, hell? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So um, we knew something was going on. Where? Who do you think the main culprits? I mean, where does this all lead? Is it Russia? Is it Hungary? I mean, where did they kind of, you know, meet? How do they, how does this come about between these different actors like you see putin involved in a lot of this his hands are involved orban trump the guy that from what was his name brazil oh uh, yeah that they ousted bolsonaro bolsonaro Mm -hmm. yeah well you know i have to say that it is a kind of a strange phenomenon that these trump-like figures have popped up in so many places and now um, organizations that only cared about the United States, like CPAC, I mean, that thing's been around for, for decades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has branches in South Korea, Japan, Australia, Brazil. Um, in fact, uh, Bolsonaro's son is the organizer of CPAC Brazil, wow. Hungary, and obviously here in the U.S. And this past week, while CPAC was held in um, in D.C., they had people from the far right from all over the world. So these people are stitching themselves together mm-hmm. and they've got a vision for society that's completely opposed to multiracial democracies, diverse democracy. Mm-hmm. You know, Orban, you know, Hungary's not a democracy anymore. The EU itself calls it an electoral autocracy. That's a quote. Wow. And that's the direction that they want to take us. They want to take us away from something that's very good and towards something that's very, very bad. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you think this has happened like in the past? Is there something, you know, about right now? Is it like repeating itself? Like when we saw back in the 1930s and uh, 1920s in Italy and in Germany, or is this just like a new phenomenon? I wouldn't say it's an exact repeat. And I also wouldn't say that it's new. Mm-hmm. It's it's like variations on a theme. The um, But we are seeing the kind of language that we're hearing out of our political figures across the world, the kind of laws that are getting put in place or the the policy initiatives that are being offered all over the world are very similar to what we experienced in the 30s. Because the first thing you do is you begin to demonize and dehumanize people. Mm-hmm. And that's right. where you start. And so... Obviously, the LGBTQ community is under huge risk right now, um, and that is globally. Mm-hmm. We in the United States we have migrants, immigrants at the border, at our southern border, and in Europe, you know they um, very afraid of the migrants from North Africa and um, the Middle East, and so right. that it it begins with. Those people are not real people. Mm-hmm. And so we, and so that's what, you know, of course, what they did with the Jews and gay people in, in the 30s and um, Roma and, you know, all kinds of folks. And and that's and that's where you start. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie, you want to add yeah, to that? I mean, that's the process, right? You demonize certain populations and then you, you make people afraid of them, mm-hmm. right? So that's why all this talk about how, you know, Trump said immigrants are poisoning our blood, which yes. literally is, that's a Nazi phrase. Yes. I mean, that's not, that mm-hmm. is a direct parallel to the 30s. Mm-hmm. Or they're all criminals or deviants. The LGBTQ population is destroying our culture, the family, etc. Mm-hmm. That's how you start these things. You know, Orban's path to his um, autocratic situation was to start with migrants when the migrant crisis happened from the when the war Syria. Broke out in Syria exactly mm-hmm. yeah. he started there then he leapt to demonizing lgbtq people then he went after women and women's rights mm-hmm. so this is the path that you take and you make your supporters afraid of these people mm-hmm. make them you know essentially other them they don't belong here and that's how you build your base mm-hmm. and that tech that tactic is no different than the 1930s, although the circumstances may be uh, different. Mm -hmm. I will say that it's interesting that you brought up the idea of the 30s as transnational, because, of course, it was a transnational far-right movement. Mm -hmm. Germany's Nazis had their own flavor compared to Mm -hmm. these fascists and so on, and Franco and Spain. 
Yeah, and Japan, right? Yeah. But yeah. at the end of the day, they were all allied behind this terrible nationalism and demonization. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's what we're that's what we're getting right now. Well, and do you think that the difference between the 1930s and then now is we have one of the two major political parties in this country that seem to be completely aiding and abetting it. and yeah. aiding and abetting and pushing us uh, to this? And that we have members of Congress, like and, and a lot of members of Congress that are aligned with this, you know, um, Christian nationalist uh, viewpoint and kind of pro-Putin. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing. But do you think that? We did have some I of that back the then, case. though. Yeah. yeah. It's the case that there's a, you know, there's some, gosh, I hate to use a word like nuance on the current situation, but there, there is. Mm -hmm. What you see is that it's the extreme elements mm -hmm. of the party. Although at this point, since so many are going along with it, then you get to, you have to wear, you know, mm -hmm. what you're. Well, it, it doesn't, we did have some of that in the, in the thirties. I mean, uh, Rachel Maddow did a whole series on that, a, a podcast. Right. Ultra. And ultra. Yeah. Ultra. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she yeah. talked about that. So we did have some of that. There were senators, there were congressmen that were aligned oh, yeah. with Nazi Germany, but it was, yes, but, right. Absolutely. But, it wasn't, I mean, everyone, everyone wasn't like, you have some senators and some Congress who are just like, they're not really aligned with them, but they're, they're allowing them to, you know, they're just not going to, they're not going to stand up to them. They're complicit. The that is the problem right yeah. there. It is. I mean, obviously extreme far right political leaders are a tremendous problem. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when they manage to be um, have the loudest voice and they're actually a minority of a minority, but somehow they're the ones that everybody is listening to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's and Heidi and I have written about this at at some point. You've got to pick a side, right? You've got to, you've got to see who you know. Are you a person who can have reasonable disagreements on? various issues but still firmly stand up for basically just what's right yeah you know and democracy well, it seems, yeah. yeah but there it, it seems like republicans have really kind of left democracy a long time ago that's what it, i mean we talked about this how like since 1960 since the civil rights act and the voting rights act and then um later on i mean they were okay with democracy as long as you know we were 85 percent wide and they were still winning in landslides like Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush. But then when Barack Obama came along, that's when they freaked out. I don't think they have any kind of loyalty to, to, to democracy. And well, so it's easier for them to kind of turn their back on it and just they don't seem to have any loyalty to us, to this country. They want an electoral autocracy just like Hungary. Yes. Well, I mean... Yeah. The polling now shows that more than half of Republicans self-identify as Christian nationalists. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you if you're self-identifying as a Christian nationalist, you don't support democracy, right? Right, because it's a religious privilege over a particular kind of religion's privilege over everything right. else. Mm -hmm. And that's that's basically why Wendy and I say that Project 2025 is a Christian nationalist project right. to move us away from democracy, and and as in particular, the idea of like real civil and human rights, right? That's what they want to erode first. Some populations are just going to get thrown under the bus and not be protected to favor their particular um, Christian ideal mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. those adherents. The other thing is the Republican Party's got more than half um, of self-identified Republicans believe in the Great Replacement Conspiracy Theory. Yeah. You know, right. they, they may not understand that's white supremacist, but that's what it is. Yeah. And and so that's pretty scary. And look, I think what An Anita was saying is right. This Republican Party right now mm -hmm. is so much more radical than just a few years ago. Right. Just, mm -hmm. you know, than the George W. Bush era. And it's it's a bit shocking. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think the demographics are what's driving it. This mm -hmm. fear of loss of sort of white superiority, dominance in the culture, dominance over the society. And, you know, that's why they want to start stripping people's what do, rights. What do they say that that uh, they think equality is oppression? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. And, and that women's rights 
in their version of events, if you give rights to trans people, then you're trampling on women's rights. Yes. And that's well, it's, they so say it, that they're using that. I'm not course. sure that they really yeah, believe but it. that yeah. it's, it's it's effective though. That's the problem. Do you hit on something, Anita? Because it's very difficult to tell with some of these folks how deeply they believe some stuff. There mm-hmm. are some that believe it down to their core. Yep. And they yes. are not going to change and they and they are going to be relentless and and they will 100% never back down. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. But then you certainly there's a faction, certainly of the Republican Party. I mean, just like in any political party, you say, you know, you might focus on something that is going to appeal to your to your base. Mm-hmm. And it's, and, but I, I think, and I know that it's naive, but I, I, I just want to hope some of these folks that have allowed their colleagues to use words like invasion and mm-hmm. disease and filth, like we heard out of the Oklahoma, yeah. um, or a destruction of the, you know, these very, like we said in the beginning, dehumanizing and violence-inspiring rhetoric. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't I, think they're going to stand up to it until they lose, until they actually, if you they may see be there's right. a political cost. You may be right, well, but I think that we're going to need them to stand up if we're going to start turning this thing around. Yeah, and I wonder too, and you know, this is just, you know, the Republican Party, the Republican base that we have today too, it's diminished significantly numbers wise, you know, when you see these never Trumpers and, you know, there has been an exodus from the Republican party. So then I just, you know, I just wonder, it's like, what, what is it about this group of people that these Republicans that are still hanging in there and they know that Trump, they hate Trump, that all the behind closed doors uh, conversations that we hear like Claire McCaskill talk about and things like that. They, and yet they don't stand, they they him, don't they stand up. You know, they don't, they refuse to stand up. So what is it, do you, what do you think it is that is keeping them from actually standing up against this actually like a very pretty significant minority group in this country well it's because that significant minority has the ability to completely torpedo their campaigns and their re-election yes it's Mm -hmm. it's political they're just afraid of their base yeah i think that that's one of the reasons um i think that there is also a a significant sector in on the far right. And I, Heidi and I make it a point not to just call people conservative because conservative is completely different in our view than what we're talking right. about. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the extreme elements. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I think, I think that there is a significant number uh, or segment that would like to carry this same message, but wish that it was somebody other than Trump. And then I think there's probably about a, a similar size segment mm-hmm. that says we are this we are on a, this is going to end up completely destroying our our party because at some point people are going to 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 not stand for this especially when you so obviously take away not only a woman's bodily autonomy but they're talking about things like contraception. Mm-hmm talking about divorce yeah. mm-hmm. they're talking about you know next we'll have to get the man's presi- uh permission to have a credit card again you know yeah. and it's and that was only that only stopped in the 70s right so you know they're not looking that far back mm-hmm. for how they wish that it could be i well, think we're all old enough to remember when our mothers got their first checking account or credit card. Yeah. I remember that. Like I have a vivid recollection of that. I was like in third grade or something and my mom was so excited she had her own money finally, you know? On the right you'll see that what they call trads, those are traditional wives and it's a big thing. Wow. They they're trying to go back to that. There is a movement to go back to that. I mean well, they're going to find out it's not feasible in our economy anymore. But um yeah, they, you know, that's what you find over there on the right. These people that think that we should go back to where women stayed home and 
raised the kids and, you know, couldn't get a credit card in their name. The, the power of nostalgia and romanticization of the past on the right mm-hmm. never yeah. ceases to astound me. <laughs> I know. Every, every, every single, they didn't live through it, though. Yeah. I, every single part of the far right that I've ever studied had these glorious visions of the past that mm-hmm. don't accord at all with reality. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of amazing, actually, what you know that what we're talking about here just ended a few decades ago, right? Like yes. in my lifetime. So yeah. come on. I know. That's true. And most of these people don't remember it. And maybe it was their mother, like Karen and I, you know, remember our mother getting their first credit card. I remember that too. Mm -hmm. But um, they don't know the pain that women felt. The, you know, mother's little helper. (laughs) They, you know, that just having to to live that life and not have any kind of... It was a lack of power. Dreams. And, and, And too, like we know that they, you know, the economy... Come on. I mean, in an, in an autocracy, who cares about the economy, right? They can they can do whatever the hell they want. And if they take away women's rights and, you know, take away their uh, autonomy over their economy, then, you know, who cares? Our economy will be crap and they, they don't yeah, probably, they, yeah. And they don't care. I mean, if we're, you know, if we're an autocracy, how much do they really care as long as they have theirs, right? Yeah. Well, well that's the latest about- in Saudi Arabia. Talk about foolish. Yeah, I know. Because yeah, yeah. You, you will have no power or ability to achieve anything that you want to achieve exactly. because you will have you'll have no voice. Yeah. And it's kind yeah. of weird that you would want to write the your power away, right? Just give it up. Yeah. For what? It, well, because you can hurt, you know, gay people and trans people and women and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well and because people never think it's going to happen to them. Yeah. That's right. Yes. yes. That's exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What, but I, oh, I think I was going to say, um, I think it was, was it on Stephanie? So we, we are regular listeners and uh, viewers of Stephanie Miller, um, and she's on Free Speech TV. But anyway, somebody was talking about um, what was the main character in Handmaid's Tale? And they were talking about how she oh, was she was like one of the leaders um, in the movement. And then as soon as it all came to fruition and she wanted to take a leadership role, she lost a finger. You know, oh so yeah, her, the, the the wife, the wife of um, what was her name? Yeah, I can't that. remember her name, but yeah, and she had to watch while her husband mm-hmm. tried to impregnate somebody else. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it, it was gross. It, 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 it doesn't. I mean, there isn't such a thing as going this far and no no farther, right? It mm-hmm. it, it it always keeps going. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something that people can't imagine that we are going to find ourselves in an autocracy or even an electoral autocracy, you know, however you want to say it. They because in the United States, there is such a there is a core belief in the strength of our democracy and our institutions. Mm -hmm. And 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 so, like I was telling you, you, you can't imagine that they're going to fall. You can't imagine mm-hmm. that somebody is going to do every single thing they can to create a situation to strip people of their rights. Mm-hmm. They think, oh, it's you know, they can't believe it. African Americans, they can believe it. Black people, because really, we've yeah. only been a democracy since the '60s, since mm-hmm. the '64 and '65 Voting Rights Act and Civil Rights Act, when those people were allowed to actually participate. Mm-hmm. In and democracy. You know how plays it? Germans, Austrians. Yep. Oh, my friend from Austria, she told me that it could happen here. And I remember my husband saying, oh, no, that's not true. And I was like, I don't know. Unfortunately, this naivete about how quickly a democracy can collapse right. that we have here in the U.S. And that I think we've all, you know, I don't think, I mean, I certainly didn't think four or five years ago we could be on this train, right? This is yeah. shocking. Mm-hmm. But it is clo- it is really close, mm-hmm. and I wish Americans would wake up to that fact. And they're they're not going to like it when they're living in a Viktor Orban type, you know, Hungarian situation. Yeah, and you know, Wendy and I have good friends in Hungary. It was shocking for them to see the beginnings of a real democracy right after the fall of the wall in Hungary. A couple decades of that just mm-hmm. backslide. Yeah, in in a few years. 
Yeah. No, and I know that um, when we were speaking with you, Wendy, um, yesterday, you know, you had mentioned that we shouldn't be calling it Trumpism. We should be referring to it as Orbanism. And I don't know if you want to, you guys want to touch on that a little bit. Expand and then on that, yeah. What I'd like to, too, if you, like, what kind of conversations you're having with your family and friends about Project 2025 specifically, because the whole reason we started this podcast was because we were having conversations. And then we thought, you know, the mainstream media is not doing their jobs as far as, you know, um, conveying the real threat. And only just a couple I've seen talking specifically about Project 2025. I know Nicole Wallace has started this, um, was it American Autocracy segment, like one of her hours she devotes to that, but she hasn't mentioned Project 2025 and it's right there. So I'm not sure why she's not really talking about that, but I guess if you could speak to um, why we should and how talk, do you, yeah, talking about it. How do you urbanism? talk to other people about it without it's, sounding crazy? Like you're in a, like you're, you know, being hyperbolic. Yeah. Like what kind of conversations are you having? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like let's have like the Cliff's, Cliff's notes or the um like project 2025 for dummies, you know, so that we can kind of like bring it down and kind of deliver it in a package that scares the shit out of people. But, also, you still yeah. want a path to overcome it, right? Yes, there is a path, right? Yes. Heidi, you want to do? You want to do the? Yeah, no, I thirty-second version of Project Twenty-Five. Well, something that we could kind of tell other people without, like yeah. I said, sounding crazy sure. or some, yeah. sounding like we we're hysterical. So or, we're like, we're like you know, your girlfriends at the coffee shop, and you're like, hey. Have you guys heard about Project Twenty Twenty Five? I was just with them last night, and they don't want to hear about Project. No, yeah, they don't. I know you can't approach them like okay, that. I think okay, you okay, okay. So, where are your girlfriends who were really well, curious about what you ladies are doing? Well, you do have to be careful about the hyperbole because, honestly, if you just if you read some sections of Project Twenty Twenty Five, it is just so absolutely shocking and crazy that you can't. Yeah believe they put it down on paper. So the first thing I, I always say to people is, you can read this yourself. I am not making this up. It is on paper. It is backed by over 100 conservative organizations, some of the biggest in the country, like the Heritage Foundation, well-known, long-established. And it lays out piece by piece how they are going to get rid of the civil service and put partisans in there, that the Department of Justice is going to be politicized There'll be no independence for it or the FBI, and it will be used to go after people who oppose whoever the next conservative president is. On top of that, LGBTQ people are going to be eradicated from any protections from the federal government. Abortion will be banned all across the land, and we don't know exactly where we're going to end up with contraception and some of these other things. That's what I try to tell people. Like These are simple things. And if you don't believe me, you can just go to their website and read about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then usually what I'll bring up is look at some of the people behind this. Mm -hmm. There are groups that have spent decades demonizing immigrants, decades demonizing uh, the LGBTQ population, women's bodily autonomy. And the thing is filled with election deniers, tons of election deniers going back to 2020. So these are some radical people mm -hmm. and you should have a look. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do think once people look at this, they realize there's there's something very, very wrong. Actually, the one thing we have going for ourselves in this situation is they actually wrote this stuff down, mm -hmm. which means we have something to point to. Right. It's not us guessing what their plans are. They have happily announced all this crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. So we could just show people right where it is. Yep. Yep. Well, they kind of say it out loud at CPAC, too. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the fact is, is that a fair number of initiatives within Project 2025 have either been introduced or already adopted, mm -hmm. you know, at the state level, because it's, they're, they're coming at it from both sides. Because this 100 or more than 100 organizations I don't know exactly how many, but a lot of them work at the state level. And like it, if you're in a state like mine, Alabama. Mm -hmm. Or mine, Texas. <laughs> or Texas, right? Which um, I yeah. think, yeah, Alabama and Texas are ground zero right now because, not just because of some of the laws that are being passed in our states, which are 
horrifically anti-democratic, but also because the court cases are coming out of them. Yeah. And um, another thing about Project 2025 is it's not just about the the rights of women. It's not gender rights. They they want to eliminate the endangered species list. Like I always bring yeah. that up because that's something that everybody knows what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows why we have it mm-hmm. and the importance of having it, and they want to eliminate it. So, and they also want to eliminate the ability of different agencies like the, you know, EPA. I was going to say environmental stuff. They yeah. just they make yeah. rules so that they could just do whatever they want mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. within the, you know, no preservation of forest. No regulations. Or, yeah. And so, I mean, honestly, when you, it, it, it can depend on who you're talking to mm-hmm. because there's something for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> in Project yeah. There's something to offend it. Yeah. yeah. Everyone. We couldn't do this without our loyal listeners and love hearing from you. So please give us some stars and a review if you're so inclined. True Blue Politics is sponsored by our wonderful True Blue crew of listeners and our supporters on Patreon. As a small startup podcast, our Patreon members help us pay the bills to keep our podcast running and also allow us to keep investing in equipment upgrades for even better quality content in the future. When you sign up as a member at even just $5, you instantly unlock our private True Blue pod chat and full episodes a day earlier than everyone else without ads in the middle. Upwards from there, we've made even more perks available like having your name shouted out at the end of our show and a personal Zoom call with me and Anita to discuss ways to overthrow the GOP. If you would like to become a subscriber at any level, including our newly added $1 level, go to patreon.com slash truebluepoliticspodcast. That's patreon.com slash truebluepoliticspodcast. And as always, thanks for listening. This episode of True Blue Politics is brought to you by Night Sky Woodworks, featuring gorgeous products like cutting boards, cheese and charcuterie boards, and beautiful tea light holders, all finely handcrafted in their Chicago, Illinois wood shop, all of which have eye-catching designs and make the perfect complimentary piece for any kitchen or living room. If you use code TRUEBLUE, that's T-R-U-B-L-U, at checkout on their Etsy shop, you get 10% off any order, which is a pretty great deal if you ask me. So go check out their in-stock designs today or message your custom order request on their Etsy shop today by visiting etsy.com slash shop slash night sky woodworks. That is etsy.com slash shop slash N-I-T-E-S-K-Y-E woodworks and use code TRUEBLUE at checkout for 10% off. So yes, I love the I love the idea of like here you can read for yourself, okay? But now I'm excited and this is why I'm excited to have you on with your organization globalextremism.org. People can go to your website and there's a bunch of like amazing resources and links to go to. And one of the things that jumped out at me was um your focus in the area of tech, like with the tech executives and kind of like, you know, throwing in some regulations or kind of figuring out how, because we have these reports that are coming out that, for example, with the um, Gaza situation, that the, I read an article, Iran, Russia, and where else? And China are actually micro-targeting again- um, the hashtags Gaza or Free Palestine oh, in order yeah. to divide the left. Yep. In the lead up to the 2024. So I, yep. you know, so if you could speak a little bit too about what you think as far as like the um these tech companies, what their role is and what they need to do. Well, I mean, we just know this is already ramped up. You're giving an example. We already know Russian propaganda is once again coming in just like it did in 2016 and 2020 to mess with, you know, increased polarization. People sometimes forget, but Russian propaganda was so effective 
back uh, in the first Trump presidency that it led people yeah. to actually hold protests yeah. in front of mosques. There was no person behind it, right? So these yeah. anti-Muslim protests. And so we're getting flooded by that. Most of the big tech companies have reduced the size of their election integrity teams yeah. since 2020. That's a tragedy. And just think about it. Those are the teams that ultimately did yeah. not take down the information that led to January 6th, right? So we're in a very weakened position. Um, yeah, and the Elon and, Musk is running Twitter, now X. So uh, that's, And he's, he's lowered the bar for everybody. Elon, mm -hmm. by just abandoning any kind of online safety issues and reducing online harms, has just made everybody else feel like, well, I can right. throw my arms up in the air and not do anything about these issues, too. And, well, he's and actually worse than that he, because he has retweeted Russian propaganda. I mean, he's retweeted these crazy, like when Nancy Pelosi's husband was bashed on the head. He was like, you know, retweeting these conspiracies about it. You know, I mean, this guy is actively yeah. working against democracy. Yeah, he's retweeted Great Replacement stuff. He's, yeah, exactly. He has, He's a bit of a super yes. spreader there of hate and extremism now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, he's yeah. he's very. I think he's pro and, white. He's a white supremacist. I mean, well, he certainly turned Twitter uh, into a, a yeah, one of and, the and he's, he has got web, government contracts right with that SpaceX yeah. program. You know what? Yeah, it's just he's he yeah. turned off the the satellite stuff for Ukraine at one point. I mean, mm -hmm. it's really scary how much power that guy has. Yes, it is. And it's scary. I mean, this is another podcast uh, topic, but how many yeah. billionaires have in, yeah. uh, in mm -hmm. the role of either destroying or supporting democracy? Too. Well, we should we one. should try to talk about something more positive, I guess. <laughs> to okay. end this, but I was thinking about, mm -hmm. you know, how we do have the power here. We cannot rely on this, you know, the cords or anything else. We have to, you know, get the message out. And you were talking about how we need to break it down, like the Project 2025 stuff, to kind of, you know, to individualize it, right? So that people, you know, so like if it's environmental and you talked about the Endangered Species Act or things like that, clean air, clean water, whatever works, okay? When you're talking, you know, depending on who you're talking to, those kind mm -hmm. of things, those things that we can actually do to try to reach out to people and get yeah. the message out. Because we do have the power here. We can change this. We, you know, we still yeah. have an election well, coming I, up. I think but we have to get the message out. For me, for well, sure, this I, week with the Supreme Court doing what they did, you know, in in regards to uh, hearing the immunity cases, it basically, you know, and I, Anita and I have talked about it. It's like, and I don't know about you ladies, but I wasn't. I'm not relying on the courts. Okay, the courts have never been particularly fair to women, minorities, um, and so I personally wasn't like people would ask me, well, so do you think he's going to get convicted, you know, before the election? Do you think is, and I'm like, I don't care. We yeah, need to I didn't focus on what we yeah. can do, what we can actually change, what we have control over. And that is getting out and voting. Right. And I think if more people knew about sort of what, mm -hmm. what conservatives are really talking about here, understood the uh, efforts to undermine democracy, like in other words, all different kinds of organizations, environmental, you know, mm -hmm. ACLU, people who care about extremism, yep. get out the Medicare, vote, Social Security, really, all those that. type of things. Yeah. yeah. If all those kinds of people understood what was at stake and how much this would change their lives, I I think it would propel people to vote. It would propel them to want to That's make right. sure that these things are protected. Our democracy is protected. And I think you're right. I mean, I'm I think that it's a little naive to think that our institutions are going to hold. And the other thing about this is if we have, you know, this isn't this is going to be a different world if a conservative mm -hmm. is ultimately elected because they've learned a lot from the past. So we all have to be cognizant um sort of around that as well. But I do think we can build power from from anybody who cares about democracy. And that can also include the movable middle right. and Republicans who believe in those things as well. And, you know. And, and people who care about women's rights, like abortion, the overturning of Roe v. Wade has really, you know, uh, a lot of women are uh, participating because, I mean, we've seen all these, these cases where they've, you know, 
um, abortion rights have been upheld you know, in states like Ohio and Kansas. So that is that has energized a lot of women, I think, the threats think, to our bodily autonomy. I think that has been a tremendous motivator. Yeah. Um, because you're I mean, that is quite literally taken away a right that women yeah. have had for the last 50 years. And but I also think that this IVF case here in Alabama was a catalyst. Um oh, absolutely. It, yeah. It was. It was well. They're trying to walk it back too, but they can't. They can't. It was the very last thing that the uh, Republicans wanted to be dealing with, and so now what you have, I mean, and and it's the it's the product. I mean, of course, Alabama has a wildly conservative at best, and when you talk about Tom Parker, Mm -hmm. you know, they're extreme oh yeah that guy i don't even know how to just explain because how did i've been dealing with tom parker for like it feels like our whole lives because he and roy moore were together and they started alabama policy institute but um anyway it's but here's the thing as as wacky as some of their decisions are the one the one of the reasons that we got to where we are is because of the way these um abortion bills these sanctity of life bills are written. They are so broad and Mm -hmm. and they were purposely written that way to keep, um, to like basically give women no choice whatsoever, or if there is a sliver of choice that it's going to be so narrow. And so then you get something like that. Well, then, then you get a court, because there were there were some dissents, right on the on the decision you and it's like well wait a minute you've given us this law and by according to this law this is how we're going to have to interpret yeah. it and you're going to see that kind of stuff across the country oh yeah because you cannot say you cannot say uh life begins at conception because the, mm-hmm. the result of that will be things like banning IVF so there's no way they can back out of it they have to if they do they believe life begins at conception well, then they, they then then the result well, no. of that would be a ban now about, it's on implantation, idea. right? It's now it's yeah. if, if it's in a woman's uterus. Well, yeah. I mean, these are s- splitting a lot of hairs to yeah. get back to where you want to be. But there are a lot. I mean, even when you add the IVF situation to the mm-hmm. women who were already questioning, you know, because there's a lot of women who are. Um, anti-abortion and that's that's fine but now you're saying you can't have IVF I was with someone last night who's extremely conservative and their family had you know benefited and had the great joy of children come coming from IVF and it's like well you can't take away you can't take this away and so it's it's and so now you're now this issue is going even a little deeper than someone, a woman who might be questioning her position or yeah. have a yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, I think those, another thing is when you tell people that sixty-five thousand women in the United States had to give birth to the mm-hmm. rapist baby, twenty-six thousand of them here in Texas, a thirteen-year-old girl in Mississippi had to give birth to a rapist baby mm-hmm. because she couldn't afford to go out of state to get an abortion. I mean, these kind of stories. 65,000 women. I mean, Greg Abbott said, don't worry, ladies, I'm going to get rid of rape. So, you know, of course, <laughs> 26,000 women ended up have after because he told, yeah, it ended up having to give birth to the rapist baby. I just think that those kind of statistics and those kind of real yeah, stories and, and talk about real stories too. Really when, alarming. You know, we've talked about it with the exceptions. So even when they, and I think that we have to warn people too, that when, even when they say we're going to do a 16, a national, like a 16 crap, week yeah. national ban, like Donald Trump, cause it's a nice, you know, round number, you know? And, uh, but what that means is the Kate Cox, story she was 22 weeks we have the young lady african-american woman in ohio that they were going to criminally prosecute for having a miscarriage saying that she was mishandling a a corpse and then you have that conservative christian couple i believe they were from south carolina this is the three stories 
in one week. And this couple had to travel like over 500 miles outside of their state to go and receive um, emergency abortive care. So we're not, we're not, we're not, they can't stop. Women are not having abortions right. after, after 16 well, weeks. Exactly. So they, they really, they're not, they're getting themselves backed into the corner too with that, where women who know somebody that had a fetal demise, I know a woman who had a fetal demise at 32 weeks. You know, I mean, it's, it's horrible. They yes. seem to have forgotten that this is part of health care. Yeah, that, it is. And, yes, and that, exactly. you know, the, and unfortunately, the naive debate about abortion up until mm-hmm. uh, recently hasn't emphasized that enough. And, mm-hmm. and this is the same thing mm-hmm. about going after, yeah, I always pronounce have. it wrong, mefepristone. Yes. You know, yes, it's an abortifacient, but it's also used for medical reasons and is much yep. safer than the other medicine that's like it, which I can't remember. And so you're putting women's mm-hmm. lives at risk in that way again. I mean, this is really what it's about. Without the right to an abortion without Roe. It's about yes. women suffering horribly mm-hmm. medically. And and that's just basically it. And Mid- psychologically yeah. and the, the stuff with women having to give birth to mm-hmm. rapist kids and stuff. I mean, I never thought I'd live to say the day that rape right. and incest would not be an right. exception. But it's not in some of these states. But when it's an exception, you're giving the game away. Because then you're saying... Well, if it's not your fault, if you just got it's pregnant because you were life. raped, it's or there was, you know, life. an inc- an incest, an incident of incest, then it's not about you know this what you know you being a slut or whatever. You know, I mean, seriously, <laughs> this is gives the game away. If you believe it's if you believe it's actually life, why would there be an exception for rape or incest? So, it, yeah, yeah, those exceptions. Yeah. You're still trying to control women. Well, and if this myth of histrone <laughs> case comes down. Or if they if they issue their decision, and it says, well, I mean, if it and if it backs the you know that this judge in Louisiana, mm-hmm. then that then there's contraception, yep. and so it's gone. Oh yeah, and you using the Comstat, I mean, using the Comstat Act, which prevents any abortion. By mail, like yeah, um, yeah. If it prevents yeah. it from being going across state lines, well, it mm-hmm. also prevents all kinds of other stuff having to do. With well, they, the they're going to use the Comstock Comstock Act. That's what I've heard. They're going to use it to keep to keep right. uh yeah from medical equipment from being you know transported. So therefore, if you're in Illinois and you have there's an uh, um you're a you're 30, we have a 16 week ban and you're in Illinois and you're 32 weeks pregnant and you have to have an That's emergency right. abortion to save your life. Yep. You will not be able I'm to get up that in medical Illinois. equipment. So yeah. And I think a lot of women up here are just kind of, you know, going about their lives, not really like, Hey, it's not us, you know? Um, and yeah, it, it could be very easily, very easily be us. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was gonna, um, kind of end, well. you know, kind of go into kind of the ending topic. Just wanted to, you know, talk about that soundbite from J6 defendant and former Trump attorney Sidney Powell spilling some Justice Alito tea and then talk on the other side about it uh, and uh, how it potentially relates to Justice Alito and his likely role in the Supreme Court's decision this week to hear the immunity case and how this decision plays into Project 2025. Yes, we were filing a 12th Amendment constitutional challenge to the process that the Congress was about to use under the Electoral Act provisions that simply don't jive with the 12th Amendment to the United States Constitution. And Justice Alito was our circuit justice for that. Louis Gohmert was the plaintiff in our lawsuit. And we were suing the vice president to follow the 12th Amendment as opposed to the Electoral Count Act, so or Electoral College Act. So that was the the main point. And Nancy Pelosi had finagled to file an amicus brief in it. There'd been inside goings on in Congress, whereby I believe it was Steve Scalise and McCarthy kept her from being an actual party. She wanted to work her way into the case as a party, but somehow politically that didn't happen. But so she got noticed when we made her filing because she wanted to file an amicus brief or had filed an amicus brief. And uh, then you know, everything broke loose and she had to really speed up 
reconvening Congress to get the vote going before Justice Alito might have issued an injunction to stop it all, which is what should have happened. Well, I think Sydney mm-hmm. Sydney Powell's comments are just astounding. That there was actually this other mini plot, right? It's not just John Eastman and the fake electors and and the storming of the Capitol, but that there was actually this plan, this with intricate a, plan, yeah, yep. with the Supreme Court justice to file some kind of something that would have stopped the counting of the yeah. of the electoral college vote is just shocking, and you know it just shows you how we were hanging yes. by a thread on in back in twenty twenty one. We were that close. No. We think yeah. about that when we think about what's coming up here in the near future. And yep. and we can't rely on the courts necessarily. And we can't, you know, it's scary. I mean, I don't know what to say. It's really scary. Get out and vote, people. I mean, seriously, that's all we that's what we have to do. And we have to bring our friends and our family members, make sure they vote, make sure they're registered to vote, make sure they check and make sure those um, you know, make sure they they have their they're yeah, still registered because a lot of people are being dumped from the yep. voter rolls. You know, try to yeah. do the postcards, whatever you can do, because yeah. this this could be our last election if we don't do that. That's, that, the, um, that's the scary thing. And people really should check their voter registration. Yeah. Because a bunch of yep. states have passed weird things in the last few years and are striking mm-hmm. people from the rolls. That's definitely happened here where I am in Georgia. What's shocking to me is that you have this woman who was just a complete and total believer. Right. She didn't question what she was doing at all. And she thought that because of the 12th Amendment, that there was actually a path to the court that would delay this. I mean, and, and so there, it's all twisted up in their minds. And it's not just her. It's the mm-hmm. all and the still the current election deniers. And the fact that you would, as I said, kind of twist yourself into a pretzel to 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 get to this, okay, well, we, we're going to do something. We're going to file this suit and, and it's going to, and, and a justice is going to have to take it up and, and we're going yeah. to, and they believe they're going to save democracy, right? They think that they are mm-hmm. saving democracy because the election has been stolen. Do you think they believed it? Yes. I think some of them absolutely believed it. Mm-hmm. No, I just wonder about that because I, I wonder if it's just a way of coping, you know, they can't handle, I mean, they just couldn't handle losing. Because it's kind of it's kind of like Donald Trump's psychosis is like spread, right? It just yeah. <laughs> well, the big lie, <laughs> his big lie about the election certainly motivated a lot of people. I mean, look mm-hmm. what happened in Brazil. Bolsonaro took a, exactly the same tactics, same mm-hmm. election denying, and got the same result, right? With thousands of people storming the Brazil, you know, yeah. buildings in Brasilia. You can yeah. motivate some people by lying and lying and lying and lying. I think, yeah. you know, and it it's sure. unfortunate and it's made people. Well, the Nazis yeah. did it. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. right? <laughs> that's, that's the big lie, right? Where it comes yeah. from. I do think that a lot of these deniers actually believed it. I mean, you have the head of Heritage Foundation, the author of Project 2025, Kevin Roberts. <laughs> refusing to say Mm -hmm. that Biden was legitimately elected. You know, he says he's the president. I mean, this was as recently as six weeks ago. But I just wonder if they talked themselves into believing that. I mean, because Donald Trump knew he lost. I mean, he knew he lost. That people have testified to that, that he admitted it. He said things that have, you know, shown that he knew he lost. But I just, um, so I wonder if these people... You know, because initially, I don't think they believed it was stolen. And I think they've talked themselves into it because it's their way of coping because they just yeah. can't handle these. And Donald Trump can't handle losing. I mean, he has a he 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 would just complete if he admits this kind of these kind of things to himself. Mm-hmm. He just it's almost like he would completely break down. He would just uh, because apparently being called a loser is like the worst thing, in you know, in the world, in his family. So I just wonder if it just kind of like if if it if it's more that they they believe they actually believe it or they just kind of mm-hmm. talk themselves into it. Well, I do think there's a certain defensive mechanism that was happening around this. Remember, Trump started all right. that stop the steal talk long before the 2020 election. Yeah. So he was setting himself mm-hmm. up so that either he won the election and then yeah. he won. 
or if he didn't win, yeah. it was because it was stolen, right? There was no way for him to lose, in other words, in this situation. And so he spread this stuff all throughout the far right. Billionaires mm-hmm. gave tons of money to election denial organizations to propagate this stuff. Social mm-hmm. media let it just rage on fire until January yep. 6th. And that's how we got to the insurrection, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the stuff hasn't tamped down since then. That's the problem. I mean, Sydney Powell, here she yes. is still talking about this yes. stuff. She's been, I think, prosecuted in the Georgia case. Of Remember yeah. Roger Stone? Roger Stone out there, he's on video saying, well, you know, even if they say, even if they say yeah. we lose, you know, we're, we're just going to say we won. Well, um, the real danger, I yeah. think, is, I mean, in a, but all of this is dangerous. But even if you have somebody, like, I do think that some of the people close to Trump, I mean, maybe they talk themselves into deeply believing it. But it's not even whether or not they believe it. But what what's really dangerous is that they are able to make yes. 35 or 40 yes. percent of the country believe it. And they do really believe it. And that is, and then from that flows, you know, um, more conspiracy theories, violence. A, a, a disbelief in the in uh, democracy, the fact that somebody that disagrees with you yes. isn't just somebody that disagrees with you, they're an enemy. And yes. so that's the trouble. Whether they believe it or not, or whether they are using it, some I think there's some of both, but. Yeah, well, I, I think you're right, Wendy. I think it's the the people at the top probably have found a way to talk themselves into it, you know, and this is like, as you were saying before, you know, that they, you know, this is how they keep getting elected if they, you know, this is how they don't get primaried by some crazy MAGA um, person. But I think that what they see is they see a fertile field where they can sow the seeds Right. And that's what Trump did in the lead up to January 6th, where, you know, he starts talking about how the election's rigged and it's going to be stolen. Well, he did that in 2015, you know, in the lead up to 2016. Exactly. Remember, they did it to Obama. They did it to, he was a birther. I mean, he, they did it to Obama. Obama couldn't be, I mean, this is something these people cannot deal with it. It's like they convince themselves that people that live in the city, yeah. black people, for some reason, are not real Americans. Mm-hmm. That's why they always talk about Detroit or Philadelphia or Chicago or these cities, Atlanta, with the majority black people. I mean, it's almost like they, they've convinced themselves that mm-hmm. we are the real Americans, so therefore mm-hmm. we cannot lose. These people's votes should not even count. I think that's a really yes. succinct description, Anita, because that's exactly what they've convinced uh, them. Yeah. I was going to say, that's, of course, what Jack Posobiec is saying, right? Welcome to the end of democracy. We're here to overthrow it completely. We didn't get all the way there on January 6th, but we will we, we will endeavor to, oh, forget, oh, to get rid oh. of it and replace it with, with this right here. Because all glory, all glory is not to government, all glory to God. We need civil war. We need to overturn this democracy because mm-hmm. we can't, if we can't win in these elections, yeah. rigged or not, right. well, then we need another solution because we're the real Americans what? and yeah. those people aren't. And they should not be in charge. Yeah, that's right. That's why they couldn't accept Obama. Yeah. I mean, all those black people coming out to vote for him. And they saw the writing on the wall because what has been in was in the news and it's continued to be in the news. The demographic changes They're The white people are not going to be the majority yeah. of this country in 20, 35 years. Right. And they kept hearing that. And uh, I mean, right. they internalized it. And then this is how they react. They can't. And Obama was the the, the spark. They they said, oh, my mm-hmm. God, they just just freaked it, freaked these people out. That's why we're in for a bumpy ride for a little bit, I think. Yeah, but we are the majority. Yes. Okay. So, we are the majority. so we okay. Have to that. I'm going to pull us all out of <laughs> the mega mind because oh, I don't want to be there. Um, so like for like a little, like a nice little sorbet. Um, <laughs> I know, I'm thinking, right? So what I would like to know is because we, we've been so, you know, like, We've been going between drinking full bottles of wine, watching Rachel Maddow, and then kind of coming, moving in, <laughs> moving yeah. in, yes, okay, moving into that area of okay, I'm gonna start like doing some self care and maybe you know do some yoga and go get my nails done and stuff like that. Um, and you know, so yeah. we've all been kind of saying like, look, you have to exercise, self care, get in the fight. 
give it your all. If you need to step back, somebody else is going to pick up the, you know, pick up the, uh, the charge for you. Um, so with all of this important work and you guys kind of have to do this, this is your job, right? What do you do for fun? What do you do to kind of do self-care and, you know, yeah, to relax and like away from all this? Is there anything? Get away from all of this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with a good bottle of wine. I was going to say, Alex, yeah. That's for damn I sure. might go back. If Trump got back, you know, I'm serious. I might try drugs. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, I think we're all going to be making some decisions then. But I, yeah. I got to tell you, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting it. But when, like, if Heidi and I are together and we are having yes, some wine. Us too. Us too. Then of course we talk about this. <laughs> yeah. About? Well, it's but always I, on the top of mind, really, for us too. Yeah. And, and you get, but you get some good mm-hmm. ideas. But you know, Netflix is okay. I love Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? Netflix is no, great. not that. Don't go to Handmaid's Tale. Don't watch that. I. Yes. <laughs> no, some, something unrelated. Yeah. Yes. For me, for me, it's swimming too. Just yes. Eat. Can't, can't yeah, when you're dying true. in the pool. It's, I mean, I, I do wa- I walk. Answer. I wish we were like, oh yeah, this is. We know how important this is. We do know how important it is. It's yes. also, I mean, it's, it's hard to tear yourself away. <laughs> we, you know? I know. I I literally I don't think I can do anything. I can't be at a family party. I can't go to like my uh, dad and my stepmom and my sister and I. We have like these season tickets for the let's a matinee at the opera, the Chicago, the Lyric Opera. And I'm getting into fights with people around me about politics. Like I can't just shut it off. It's like or like you know the the checkout girl at at Target. You know, are you registered to vote? Okay, you know how important this is? Ha- <laughs> you register? Have you checked your voter registration? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are a two-woman get-out-the-vote crew right I here. I do. It's true. Oh, I started a fight in the waiting room at the car wash. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the story real quick. I'll t- tell the short story. So I'm at the car wash, and I'm listening to something stupid. It was before the, the 2020 election, and I said, I go... I hope everybody in here is going to get out and vote. We have to turn this around. And it was some Latino people. And then there was this black woman. I was sitting next to a black woman. And then I just like white lady drops the, you know, throws the grenade and then walks out the door and I'm outside and the Latino woman comes out and she's just like, like all agitated. And she's like, I can't believe it. You wouldn't believe what, she was saying she was saying that she's glad this this is the african-american woman and she's saying telling this latino woman and this man that she voted for trump and she's glad that he's sending them back oh and here i am i'm standing there and i'm like looking and i'm like oh my god i am so sorry like i shouldn't that was the time when i was like do not make any (laughs) kind of assumptions about anybody ever because yep. I was saying, you know, like, I'm like, and I'm like, you oh, felt sure. safe to say that there. I felt yeah. safe to say that. And you know what? It yeah. speaks, it really speaks to the whiteness, you know, the whiteness, mm-hmm. you know, and how we carry ourselves, you know, in, in the, you know, throughout our, our, uh, cities and towns yeah, and, the have, white and have our conversations where it was like i was just like oh sure they're you know they're with me it was crazy yeah it was it was it was kind of a moment where i was like oh okay yeah i need to like slow my roll a little bit maybe don't forget we also do the nazi part and so i mean not that you were in that situation but it is taught us to to to, to cast your eyes around yes and make sure yes that you're- mm-hmm. These are volatile times and it can, regardless of that situation. And of course, everybody is entitled to their opinions. It's unfortunate that she would be Mm -hmm. so hate people right to their face. But I mean, this is a time when the volatility is going to lead to something. Yeah. We are going to have. Yeah. And. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or how many different incidents are, you know, that is yet to be determined, but I, you know, we are going to have it. And I would never want fear to stop somebody from encouraging others to vote, to register, to do all of that. Mm-hmm. 
But we do have to exercise some caution. And I'm, yeah. so that's just. Well, during Obama, I remember I was telling Karen how you couldn't have a Obama sign or an Obama sticker on your car here in Texas. Yeah. Or even having a Biden sign at a yard, my my husband was nervous about it. You know, mm-hmm. a Beto. We had a Beto sign out there, too. And yeah. our neighbor stopped talking to us after then, too. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's just what it is. Um, during yeah. Biden, in my neighborhood, we had, I mean, excuse me, during Obama, we had Obama signs in the front yard. People took them. We put a mm-hmm. new out. But then, but what's interesting is... Um, when it comes to people participating in the democratic process and saying, you know, who you're going to vote for and or supporting a candidate is obviously a part of that. But in my neighborhood, uh, the first go round, there were Trump signs every other house. The second go round, no Trump signs. Really? Not so much. How about now? There's people are probably still voting for him, or maybe some of them didn't, but they're not quite so as proud of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. He's he's an adjudicated rapist, so yeah. I've heard that from other people, too. So that is, I feel like that is a good sign. (laughs) Well, listen, ladies, on that note, I think that uh, we are going to uh, let you go and get back to the important work that you're doing. And um, so we we are going to post um, globalextremism.org so um, people can go to your website and check out all of the good work that you're doing. And then where can people find you on social media? At Wendy Vi, at Heidi Byrick, at Global Extremism on Twitter. We're all on LinkedIn too. Okay. So, you know, as Twitter descends into the problematic place that it is, we've been, uh, we've ramped up the uh, the LinkedIn posting. Branched out there. Yeah. Are you on threads? Not yet. We have to make some decisions about where we're going to jump to, but we'll we'll figure it out soon. Yeah. We also have a newsletter. I should have said you can sign up for on our website. Oh, and great! That'll, yeah. yeah, that keep you up to date with the work that we do. We, we do a roundup of stuff on the far right, news articles and opinion pieces and things like that every week too. So if people are interested oh, in that, yeah, yeah, please sign up. Oh, that is wonderful. And I do know I did notice that there was a donate button as well to help. Uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. So everybody out there, There's let's get out always, there yes, and, thank you. and thank donate. You. Bring that up. Yes. yes. Please do that because they have an important cause. Yes. They really, and uh, we've thank, been, you thank you for coming here and helping us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, y'all keep up yes. this good work, right? Yeah. Keep it up. Y'all got a, you have a, you have a voice, you have a, Thank you. Get it out there. And so we appreciate you doing it. Thank you. Thank you. Viva la resistance. We're going to do this. That's right. All right. right. Bye. Bye. Bye.